Hola, mi gente. My name is Jessica Yanez, and I want you to join me for some wine and chisme. The Wine and Chisme podcast was created to amplify voices across communities of color, all while drinking a glass of wine. From wine talk, interviews, and recaps of all things pop culture, join me every Wednesday for the chisme. Please make sure to check out the Wine and Chisme podcast and other amazing podcasts as part of the Latina Podcasters Network. Hola, mi gente. Welcome to another episode of the Wine and Chisme podcast, a podcast created to amplify voices and share the stories of people from marginalized and communities of color doing remarkable things, all while sipping on a glass of wine. I'm your host, Jessica Yanguez. This week, my guest is Aurea Bolaños. Aurea and I continue our political chit-chat as we creep closer to the 2020 election. We touch on everything from why mail-in ballots are important to what the Biden-Harris ticket and the DNC can do to win over progressives and ultimately the election. So grab your glass of wine and join us for the cheese I feel like it's been so long since we've sat down. I mean, sat down really and talked about all this stuff, right? Yeah, for a while. Had our political chisme. Our po- political chisme and, um, and wine. And wine. Mm-hmm. But today mm-hmm. we are drinking an albariño. Have you ever heard of an albariño? No, I haven't. It's a very beautiful color, though. Yes. So it's a Martin Codax Rias. I think it's Bayas Alvarino, mm-hmm. um, is a delicate and medium bodied with a crisp, dry finish. On the palate, flavors of pear, passion fruit, ripe apple, peach, and lemon zest Ooh. are framed by bright minerality and hints of spice. <laughs> Attractive floral aromatics and brisk acidity make this a versatile, food-friendly wine. So Love versatility. Yeah, so it is a Spanish wine, so let's salud. Salud. Gracias. Ooh, I like that. Do you like it? I like it because it's citrusy and it's... Mm. It's citrus. I don't usually go for white wine, mm-hmm. but this is good. Actually, I can totally taste the fruit in it, and that's my thing. Yeah. Well, I like, you know what? I chose this wine for today because mm. it's so freaking hot here right now. Oh, my goodness. You're so right. The heat wave is really hidden. <laughs> right? Okay. And let's just, okay, let's be real because we're talking about it right beforehand. Yeah. Heat wave for San Diego. Exactly, heat, heat which waves. is nothing compared to heat waves in actual hot places yeah. in this country. Like mm-hmm. I was saying in Dallas, like mm-hmm. here it's it's still hot. It's 95, but we only have like a 30% humidity versus Dallas where it's two hours ahead from where we are. And it's not even 10 degrees cooler right. and it's almost 90% humidity. Mm. Or the East Coast where you just, you can take a shower, go outside and still be wet. Yeah, it's the same. Humid. It's disgusting. It's yeah. the same in Dallas. It's so gross. But I'm excited because there's so much. Oh my gosh. There's mm-hmm. so much that has happened since we last talked when it yeah. comes to politics. Absolutely. Yeah. There's so much more that I'm sure is going to happen between mm-hmm. now and how many days are we out from the election? We're nine weeks from it. Nine weeks so from nine the nine weekends. Mm-hmm. Damn, I can't believe it. Yeah. And for four months, we've been in quarantine. So really, it doesn't even feel real that we're that close to November, but we are. 
No, it's no, it's so true. I mean, my birthday is the day before election day. Mm, Scorpio season. That's right. <laughs> Let me give those snaps right now. Scorpios, yeah, Scorpios are another thing. <laughs> well, I mean, you know me, so are you shocked? <laughs> no, and like one of my best friends is a Scorpio, so I already have enough training under my belt <laughs> to know how to deal with that. Uh, but yeah, there's only about nine weekends left. We still have a large part of the electorate. Those are people that are eligible to vote, not registered to vote. All Every single state in the country has a different rule about when it's the last day to register to vote. And close to half of all of our states and territories have a deadline of October 1st to October 3rd to register to vote. So if you're not registered to vote now in places like Dakota, the Dakotas, the Carolinas, uh, most of the Southeast, um, you may not be able to vote in November. So no, it's not like California where you can register, register to vote election day and vote on the same day. Oh, you can? Mm-mm, not in, in California. Other, in California, you can. Okay. In California, if you turn eighteen the day of election, you are able to register that same day That's and awesome. vote that day. Exactly why? Because voting should be accessible for everybody. Yeah. You shouldn't have to. It's not like an application deadline. Shouldn't be. Well, you didn't apply on October first, so you don't get to vote. Bye. Yeah. Sorry. I'm like, no. That's not how democracy should work, or at least electoral democracy. Yeah. So. So I was actually, and I know I shouldn't, you never should go on Twitter because to look at stuff. But that's where I get my news. (laughs) (laughs) But I was actually looking at something on Twitter last night and this dude was saying, oh my gosh, I haven't lived in California in 10 years and my parents just got my ballot and everybody's calling him out saying, you idiot, like they're not even sent out until October 3rd or October 5th. Yeah. You know, like. That's an information, making sure that's where you want, like mm-hmm. to confirm your information and everything. So yeah. let's get something straight. Okay. Mm-hmm. Cause obviously there's so many records and if you, I still get stuff from Texas because, mm-hmm. but you know, I've never called and said, Oh, I'm no longer in Texas. I just register in California and I don't do anything in Texas. I just say, Hey, I'm not there anymore. Right. Yeah. If they were to send me something, Mm-hmm. Then that's one thing. But if somebody were to do fill that application or fill that ballot ballot. on my behalf, then that's where it becomes a crime. Yes. And that's where it becomes against the law. So let's can we straighten out like what exactly is being said in regards to mail in ballots? What's the history in regards to mail in ballots? And why is Trump? And now all of a sudden, like the Republicans never had any problem with mail-in ballots, Mm -hmm. literally until Trump started saying something. Mm -hmm. So can you give us some history on that and why it's why mail-in voting is so important? So um, mail-in ballots really began to be more popular in the 2016 election, right? The reason why they were created is because we understand in this ultra economic capitalist country that even though state law says that your employer has to give you an opportunity to go out to like and vote and you are able to take the day off, voting day is not a federal holiday. You don't actually get the day paid if you don't show Which up. It's ridiculous. It is also ridiculous that it's in the middle of a work week in a lot of other countries, the day election day is in a weekend. But to really get into, you know, what the history is all about, uh, mail-in voting didn't even take 
precedent till the 2012 elections that really became like a very much use, right? The idea of, hey, you may not be able to make it to the polls. However, if you submit the same ballot and mail it to us, you essentially voted. And hey, you don't have to sign up in those lines. We also people don't recognize is that voting lines are not accessible to people that are disabled. They are not accessible to people that work, that don't have access to childcare. Why if in the midterm elections, we saw folks in the snow, in the rain, waiting to be able to cast their ballot in person? That shouldn't be a thing. Right. You should be able to drop it off at the post office. You should be able to drop it off at your local city hall. However, the problem is in which has um, one of the tones of the current election with the precedent is voter fraud. The precedent has made it seem as if the people that are going to commit fraud in this election are minorities, those that don't have access to go and leave their work in the, or in order to vote instead of looking at his own platform who have disenfranchised Georgian voters when Stacey Abram was up for governor, um, voting machines without the electrical surge showed up to the voting stations. Are you fucking kidding me? Like that's, you forgot the cable, but not the box. Yeah. And even though people said, Hey, it's an honest mistake. No, it isn't. That was not an honest mistake. That was on purpose. So, I guess because wasn't her challenger at the time, and now what, Brian Kemp, right? Mm-hmm. Wasn't he in charge of the voting at yep. that time? So, wh- hello, who is it going to benefit? Yes. Like, how can you have the person who is in charge of the election also on the ballot? Like, how is? That blows my mind. There should have that is oh like okay, you know what? I'm actually running for governor, but I'm also in charge of the election. Like, how the fuck does that happen? It happens because there's not ultimately there is no rule, and folks in Georgia didn't that are in the institutions that govern didn't want Stacey to win, and that's really it. But again, to mail in ballots, they are so pivotal because they allow every single person to vote. Now, some states don't have a, won't send everybody a mail-in ballot if they don't ask for it. States like California, states like New York, Oregon, Utah, everybody gets a mail-in ballot. Either you ask, even if you didn't ask for it, even if you shred it, you will receive a mail-in ballot. And what you can do is that you can drop off your ballot at the your local election or voting which i've done which i've done here in Mm -hmm. cal like i have i signed up to get to not go to the polls yeah to get a mail-in ballot yeah and And i get it and i just drop it off and i'm like okay good but you know what's cool that i did get and i didn't get the last time is a tracker Mm -hmm. so that That wasn't yeah so i i got an email saying like if you want to track your ballot yeah you know you can click here and whatever, whatever, which I think is awesome because it, you get to see like, okay, did, was my ballot received? Is my ballot being counted? I mean, if we're able to wait for, for the Amazon guy and check on our updates to see where a package is, you should be paying that much close attention to where your ballot is. Heck yeah. And that's the reality. And that is new for this election. A lot of secretaries of state, um, of individual states realize that in this new digital age, 
we need to ensure that democracy is as easy as it can be for people to participate in it. So no matter what exactly. the people in the White House are trying to do to yeah. make it difficult, because regardless, like here is my thing. You have people who very much support Trump, obviously. Yeah. And, and I feel like whether you're, you're a Trump supporter or not, most people are very dug into their heels in regards to their Trump supporter or they're not. But at the same time, you can't, like, it's very hard for me when I hear people deny saying he's not trying to do this to the election. He's not when he's lit when he literally said you have him on tape saying that it's OK for Florida to vote by mail because Florida normally leans right. Yeah. And chances are Florida's going to vote for him. So that's OK. Mm. But a state like California, but you have a state like Utah that's all mail in. I, yeah, I believe Utah. I know all the West Coast. Yeah, Utah, Colorado, Oregon, Oregon, California. I'm pretty sure Texas may be all mail-in ballots. Regardless- well, Texas, you have to request it. And you yeah. it's not mail-in ballot. You have to actually, It's an ab- they have absentee ballots. They have absentee ballots. Yeah. You can also request absentee. So this is important if you're listening to this episode. Your state has different regulations. And you have to and you have to check those. There's even a deadline to register to vote in about half of the states. You have to register by October 3rd. And if you don't register by then, you are not voting, even if you're over the age of 18, even if you voted last year or I mean last election. It is important for people to understand how far the GOP is willing to go to not to disenfranchise voters and to not allow communities who are activated and engaged to vote in this election to come out and elect a new leader. Now, whatever your political platform might be, even if we don't agree on issues, I do not believe that I should make it difficult for you to vote. You have the right to vote. You should have the right to vote and you should respect the right to vote. And I remember when was it yesterday or no, about three days ago when Donald Trump said that he was totally okay if people voted for him multiple times. Yes. I'm like, what the fuck did you just say? He said mail in your ballot and and then then show up to vote. Yes. That is against the law. Do not do that. Honestly, I cannot believe that he wasn't pulled out of that stage when he said that. Are you kidding me? So you're telling your base to commit voter fraud, but you're worried about us, the the Democrats, the the progressives, the minorities. The hell are you talking about? Let's just say, like, first of all, obviously, if you are not here legally, you're not voting, right? You're not voting. Yeah. You don't. You don't even get. But at the but same, you get to pay taxes. But you get to pay no taxes. To yeah. But also, the fact of the matter is that people that. They wouldn't commit fraud because they're too scared. Mm. People don't understand like the fear level of people who are not documented mm-hmm. is so high. Like yes. it's so uh, it's higher than I think it's ever been at this point in, you know, in maybe I don't know, in recent history, I would say. I mean, now they're not as covert as, covert as they used to be. Mm. Right. Um, Homeland was a CBP was in Barrio Logan yesterday harassing the community. During times of elections, institutions of power become nervous. 
because a shift is about to come. And mm-hmm. the first people that are victims of that are the disenfranchised, are the oppressed, are the communities that are usually forgotten. Yeah. And when you use an institution like CBP, ICE, Homeland Security. CBP? Is that what you said? Yes, yeah, CBP. What's CBP? Uh, Customs Border Protection. Oh, okay, okay. So when you use institutions to push forward your own agenda, you are on the side of the oppressor. You're not on the side of justice. Mm-hmm. And in elections, this happens over and over again where a person in power decides to use their leverage against the constituents. Well, and, Trump has even said he wants police at the yeah, polling stations. That's, people are not going to show up to vote. The people that are going to show up to vote are going to be white because they're not afraid of the cops. Yeah. And the people that aren't going to show up are the people that are usually attacked by cops, people of color, mm-hmm. right? That's only going to create trouble. And now just wait, knocking on wood, if there's going to be, uh, if something happens, somebody pulls out a gun, Right. If somebody steals a USPS car with all the ballots, what are you going to do then? Wasn't it uh, was it North Carolina during the um, primary season that they were like some one of the GOP candidates was going door to door, like having people go door to door saying, "Oh, we're get we're picking you know, up ballots. we're picking up yeah. your ballot," and really they were tossing them exactly. And it was a GOP candidate that mm-hmm. was having people do that. Both so as part of their as part of their form, like it's what they do. Yeah, and it's we're not saying all of Republicans are like that, but when like eighty percent of your people are, then all of you are. Yeah. Well, let's talk about. Yeah. Obviously, we're down to Biden and Harris. Got to settle for it. And uh, Trump and Pence. Mm-hmm. And I know that there's a lot of people who aren't aren't happy with the choices, but these are the choices we have. And I know we said that last time, yeah. but last time we didn't know Harris was going to be the VP pick as well. Exactly. So how do you, how do you feel about Kamala Harris being the VP pick? How do you think that's going to affect generally? I mean, I think I know kind of how you personally feel, but mm-hmm. as far as, as far as maybe more the democratic side versus more of the, like progressives because not everybody is as progressive. Right. So how do you feel that pick Mm -hmm. is playing itself out right now? Cause I don't see a lot of stuff in regards to Biden and Harris, which I almost think is okay. Cause I feel like I'm kind of torn actually. I feel like it's okay. Cause I feel like you almost have to let Trump like defeat himself. Trump needs to defeat himself at the same time with the rise in intention and violence i almost feel like some people that might be on the middle mm. it could hurt them okay. how, so but how how are you feeling about this whole situation being harris being kamala being the vice presidential nominee um her history her history as ag of cal you know attorney general of california some of the things that she's done um some people yeah. say like she she is the cops i feel some people are like well her ish stance has evolved yeah. in regards to it so where are you falling on that so like you mentioned yeah biden and harris would have never been what i thought was going to be on our ticket never thought about it i thought you know what bernie and Corey, or elizabeth warren and Corey. i was really hoping for julian castro but there are some things that we have to right that we have to recognize one of them is 
I'm, I mean, I'm really, 2016 is replaying itself again. We see a formidable woman prepared to take on the task of being president because she was there for presidential candidate, not VP. Mm-hmm. She was running to be the president of, these, of this country. And the first thing that I saw that happened to all the women candidates, Elizabeth, uh, Amy Koblachar, and uh, Kamala Harris, and forgive me if I'm forgetting any other ones. Kristen. Uh, oh. No. The one from New York. All of us. She's Kristen senator Gilbrand? from. No. Yeah. 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 Mm, I'm not sure. But so at least the front runners when it comes to women. I saw for the first time. Multiple women that were prepared for this job. Right. And now a woman of color. Black woman. And she's black and Asian. Right. Completely prepared. Very possible for her to be a president of this country. But what happened to her leading up to her first dropping out of the race, right, is the fact that people couldn't see beyond her gender, the color of her skin and her policies. Now, yes, I'm not I do not agree with Kamala Harris policies on a lot of them. However, I have seen the progress she has made. She is not on the left like I am. She's more purple than I am. But I can recognize that she is willing to do the work that the country is demanding of her and her leadership. Correct? So at the end of the day, we still get stuck with Joe Biden as the presidential candidate. And why is that? Because the current people that are leading the conversations in democratic politics. So these are people that talk about the Democratic Party, DNCs, etc. Still want to stay in a status quo of what the Democrats should be like, mm-hmm. what the blues should be like, what the blues should sound like, what the blues should look like. And Kamala Harris and a lot of the other candidates didn't fit that mold. So when it came time to pick a VP, now that people like the DNC had chosen who the president was going to be, the only person that they that one Joe Biden could see himself working with that was aligned with his policies. And second, the only other person that would give the, the current VP a run for his money was Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris ended up meeting the needs of the like the people that you mentioned, those who are in the middle, those who really don't like anything that's currently happening. But what we see in Kamala Harris as well is she was criticized for not only based on her gender, based on her race and the work that she has done in the past. Yeah. It's going to follow her forever. And I hope it does because people are paying attention to what she does. But when people equate her political leadership to her being a woman, a lot of people, when she announced her VP and the virtual DNC, they're like, wow, she was softer. She was kinder. She made us see a part of her that we don't normally see. I'm like, you realize Kamala has to act like, a bitch and a boss because all of you think that women should be a certain kind of way. So no, she isn't being kind and compassionate. All these feminine words that are supposed to subdue a woman in power. You should see her as a leader, as a champion, as a Democrat. You should be able to use those same words to use for a male candidate, for a female candidate. Mm -hmm. But again, back into Kamala Harris, the biggest problem now that I see is, is the youth and our communities even energized for this. Now, if Joe Biden would have chosen Elizabeth Warren or Bernie, it would not have worked. 
because people are going to say, well, why you, if we could have had Bernie, if we could have had Elizabeth as president, mm-hmm. and I don't want them as VP. Joe Biden had to choose somebody and good for him that it was a woman and not even good for him, necessary, that it was a woman of color because that's what America looks like now. Mm-hmm. America looks like the daughter of immigrants. It looks like a multiracial woman. It looks like a badass woman. And unfortunately, our democratic politics and the people in charge of our parties still don't think that women should be leading it. Same thing that happened to Hillary Clinton. Which is, okay, so I don't know, I, and I probably should have looked this up before, because the head of the DNC is Tom Perez, mm-hmm. or Tom Perez. What is his history? Because, I mean, just by name alone, you think, For oh, Latinos. <laughs> yeah, hello. And, but that's not where it, he's, it doesn't seem like he's really moved the party plat help really move the party platform, right? Mm-hmm. It's the people that have actually helped move the platform, not necessarily Tom Perez. So it's very curious to me as in regards to what his story is. And like I said, I probably should have looked this up beforehand. Do you know any of that? Yeah. So first, Tom Perez was previously assistant attorney general for civil rights and used to be the secretary of labor for the United States mm-hmm. from 2013 to 2017. You become the chair of the party because you speak and walk the party. Anywhere you go, the main reason why he was attorney general for civil rights. And if you're, a cha- if you're a Democrat, you should be championing civil rights. The thing that happened from 2016 till 2019 is the Democratic Party had to build itself up again because of the major loss of the 2016 election. Right. And because be- previous to that, they thought everything's going well. We're fine. We got Barack Obama. Hillary's going to win. The status quo of democracy still applies to us and democratic values. Tom Perez has becomes kind of like the spokesperson for a brand, right? However, he also is the spokesperson of where the money for that brand goes. So he is more than anything, and this is one of the most difficult things when it comes to running for office and uh, 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 declaring your candidate, uh, candidacy, do you have the money? And you have the party backing. So Tom Perez leads the conversation of what being a Democrat is. And if he isn't saying it, and the DNC isn't saying it, are we really Democrats? I really think the Democratic Party right now is a wolf in sheep's clothing. Mm-hmm. We are not progressive. The de- I'm not saying we like you and I. I mean, I know I'm left-left. But Democratic Party, we only have two choices, Republican or Democrat. In the Democratic Party... Ain't on the left. Yeah. They're conservative. They are scared of the new revolution, the new status quo. And Tom Perez, even though he tweets and I follow him online, if he isn't the one changing the structure from the top down, the Democratic Party is still going to continue to lose. Because since he's the head, it really has to come from him. From, yeah. Mm-hmm. Is there a way to be able to get, because I think, I think regardless of the, where people fall, whether on the, right center middle yeah uh or right center middle same thing (laughs) right center left right um i think what a lot of people want to see is big money out of politics and i think a lot of people would like to see term limits yes i think as you know i don't think we'll ever see term limits because they have to vote on them themselves right unless we were to get like it would have to be an amendment 
Yeah. Per mm-hmm. they have passed through Congress and Senate and the, they're never going to, I don't think they're ever going to vote that for themselves. No. So, <laughs> yeah. So it's up to us, right? It's up to us, the people to set those things, mm-hmm. right? Like, Hey, you've been in here. Cause this whole thing of, Oh, you're a career politician, but we've made these people career politicians. Yes. So if you're sick of career politicians and you, but you've continued to vote for these same people, then you're part of the problem. Yes. Is there a way, do you think that there's a way that we're able to be able to pull big money out of, do you think that will ever happen? Being able to pull big money out of politics, because it's basically whoever has the most money, it almost is like whoever has the most money win. We're seeing it locally, right? Yes. Locally, you're seeing like in our district, Mm -hmm. my district, you have somebody like Sarah Jacobs. Yeah. Who is already running a bunch of stuff Mm -hmm. and her opponent What's, what's Georgia's last name? Uh, Georgette Gomez. Gomez, yeah. You haven't seen anything because... She doesn't have $9 million. Yeah, Sarah Jacobs, Sarah Jacobs comes from a very wealthy family. This is like the third thing she's run for. In a, she runs she for, changed the d- district in yeah. order to have like an easier go at the election, but she doesn't even live in the district. Yeah. yeah. No, there is absolutely no way of pulling big money out of politics. And that is because that is how they stay alive. The, dem- the parties, and this is something from like the Federalist paper, so any of my history buffs here. Um, in one of the Federalist papers, I'm sure it was uh, Madison, writes about the problem of factions. That the end of democracy will be the day where we continuously, con- like when we continue to use parties to rule our way of life. Mm-hmm. That is what we're seeing today. The parties have become an exclusive, exclusive group honestly the the parties are classist because the people that are making the values of these parties are rich you may have come from a low-income background from an immigrant background from a marginalized background sure but when you keep that power to progress your own values and to keep the communities disenfranchised and you use money to ensure that continues Mm -hmm. you are also part of the problem you're not part of the solution so the only way really to pulling out money from the from the parties absolutely impossible because campaigning is all about money. Campaigning is all about money. And now should private corporations, businesses be giving millions of dollars to candidates? No. I mean, super PACs didn't start until... The super PACs have been a thing, but super PACs, 2008? Yeah, with, uh, when with the, the, when the loophole, Supreme Court. Yeah. Supreme Court. Yes, Uni- uh, Citizens United. And the thing there is that's how folks get away with it. The What it should be and what Bernie Sanders, AOC, uh, Rashida Tlaib... Tlaib Many of these candidates, these new progressive candidates, a new generation of progressive candidates mm-hmm. are doing is, again, all the money and donations are public record. That's just, and that's good. Transparency should be at the forefront of campaigning. And absolutely no corporate money should come into these campaigns. It is impossible to ensure that, mm-hmm. but the parties should ensure in both ways that no corporate money comes by. And that needs to come from the top, yeah. from the chair of the parties. And also the chair of the parties should disclose where all their money comes from. So here's the thing, though. 
I was, and, and I feel, and I've seen this over and over and I feel like you, you know, I've seen people talk about it and it, you know more about this than I do. This is just me listening no, to different okay. things. It always feels like the Republic, the GOP, they know how to harness their message for their people, right? Yes. But the the right, the Democrats want to be so inclusive of so many people that it's hard to harness a specific message. It's like there has to be so many messages that they don't know how to collectively get that in order to, that's why it's so easy for Republicans to target Democrat, you know, the party, mm-hmm. because they know what their, their kind of message is because uh, they're not trying to get everybody. They're not trying to get everybody to vote. As long as their, their core, votes, their core yeah. people vote, yep. that's what continues to keep them in power. Yep. And it's, us who try like the the left leaning and democrat side that they want to be everything to everybody that you you can't be that you can't be everything to everybody and then people get mad and then people are like oh well biden and harris are the ticket and i'm not gonna vote anymore not realizing that by by doing that you're you're continuing to feed into the system that will only allow it to be two parties so, in that, I have a couple points. Yes, the Democratic Party is losing sight of what's actually important, which is to have an equitable and cohesive message. The message doesn't have to be perfect, mm-hmm. but the message can be Medicare for all. It can be equitable racial justice precedence. It can be defunding um, institutional oppression. It can... That applies to all of us. A Green New Deal applies to all of us. Access to healthcare, access to education applies to all of us. What the Democratic Party is losing sight of is building community within our party. There's something that the GOP does very differently. The GOP isn't looking for marginalized communities Mm -hmm. because it's not that they don't care about them. A lot of poor white people vote for Republicans But what the message of the Republican Party has done, quote unquote, correctly, is that they haven't changed, that the message stays consistent, that they are not trying to appease everybody. They're trying to appease to the economy, to jobs, into your social security. Which is hilarious, right? Because... They're the ones yeah. who we have had the biggest deficit within our economy has been under Republicans. Mm-hmm. They continually try and undercut our, our health care, which I'm actually experiencing right now. Yeah. Right. I have, you know, these these health issues that I've had and I make and I'm on a contract. I'm a contractor. Yeah. So as a contractor, I don't get insurance. Mm-hmm. And even with because of all the changes that have happened with the ACA, yeah. like that they've done, yeah. that's too expensive for me to be able to afford insurance yet I don't, I make way too much money to get really any help. Yes. And so, and I'm where millions and millions and millions of Americans are like, I, you know, that I'm having these major, major health things and I can't go to the doctor Mm -hmm. because of what's, because of what's happening. And I would, and I work my ass off and I, like I'm doing several different things to help provide income, mm-hmm. but I also live in California mm-hmm, and it's, yeah, which is not, 
the same as it's not the same as living in Texas. It's not this. I pay a good seven, eight hundred dollars more a month in rent. Yeah. In California than I did in Texas. Mm. Right. And then I but I know some people will be like, well, then move. But that's not this is where a home is. Yeah. This is where my family is. So I feel like why don't we folk like you said, like f- focus on these types of things where you're not just appealing to somebody who, oh, your Medicaid's going to get taken away, mm-hmm. appeals to somebody like me because there's a lot more people like me. I mean, and that's the thing. When we talk about the topics, the message of campaigns, the message of parties, it has to be specific. You know, the message is to ensure that women like you, honestly, all peoples have access to healthcare. Mm-hmm. The healthcare that they need for their either pre-existing or new conditions healthcare that is accessible based on their income or no income really income shouldn't play anything into this you should have access to healthcare regardless the thing is that institutions in power see this as a fault and this is what they see as why they take a step back well I don't want to offer you the same things I offer somebody that can pay for everything and that's when classism, racism sexism comes into play because Somebody else is making that decision for you. Who should have access to healthcare and how and how much? And then when they talk about socialism, people in Congress, they're hello. I mean, it's socialism for people who are in Congress. Let's be real. I love socialism. You know? People just have a problem with it. Right. No, of, no, no. Yeah. But what I'm saying is yeah. that like re- Republicans and yeah. like they want to say it's socialist, socialist, socialist. But how are you getting your... You know, they're your health How are you getting it, this? Yeah. You're getting, you know, like it's a socialist system within Congress. Uh, not necessarily. I think it is con- congressional members make close to half a million dollars. At least, you know, quote unquote, what they're actually supposed to be making. And Congress members, elected representatives of that level make 250 around there but you don't get your face first paycheck until maybe three months into your term and if you're in congress that's a two-year term right and which to me is crazy because you're like barely getting work done and you're already having to campaign like that's a whole problem the reason the founders created the congress to be two years is because during times of war people were dying and things were changing so rapidly what they didn't account for is that people like for things to stay the same so they're like, wait, why do I have to vote out this congressman that has been here for 10 years if I like him? It's like, well, that's we should actually be changing representatives. Yeah. And also it's because Congress is the most powerful of the houses. That's why they only last two years. Because if you have the power to declare war, you have the power of the purse, you have the power to uh, sanction governments. If you have... That's, you, but it, had, it needs to be both, right? Because no, that's just Congress. Okay, but senators you get... Six years, correct? Six years, correct. But the reason why terms are so short for Congress is because of how powerful Congress is. Gotcha. And with good reason. With good reason. Yeah. So now the the parties, however, are shooting themselves in the foot by not updating. It's like we have an app and you don't just keep up with what the the, the people using your app need. Mm-hmm. Right. People want to be able to share and use filters and tag people and shop from Instagram, etc. The, the parties need to do the same thing. However, the parties are scared because they're like, wait a minute, if we change and we don't like it, how do we go back? 
So instead of focusing on the future, on progress, mm -hmm. they're already thinking about how they will fail. And this goes for both parties. But Democrats, they don't have time to waste. No, they everything's changed. I mean, everything has changed. Yes, so, it's so it's mm -hmm. it blows my mind to see how everything has changed. Like everything that this president does is quote unquote unprecedented. Unprecedented. He does this and it's unpre and it's almost become like where people expect it and it doesn't it's not it's there's no longer shock value in there mm -hmm. because it's things that we would normally be like, what the hell is going on? Right. Like what in the world? It's like, uh, of course he does that. Of course. And it's almost like we've become numb to it. Yes. What do you think? How, like right now, obviously, kind of going back to Biden and Harris, mm -hmm. what do you think they need to do? Or what do you think? Are they doing anything right or anything wrong right now with nine weeks to the election? Whew, man, I think we should have. I mean, obviously, the pandemic threw us all in a frenzy because then, you know, the DNC should have happened over a month ago and conventions, very elite things. Um Biden and Harris, let me give some 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 pros and then some deltas instead of some cons. The pros are they are demonstrating that they are able to lead differently than the president. Right? They recognize they are not your first choice. They are trying to ensure that you see them beyond their past, that you are able to choose them for the future. Those are important parts of the messaging that they are focusing on. The delta, however, is... What are you going to do if you like, of course, they're like, what are you going to do in the first days that you get elected? Everybody gets that question. What I think a lot of people are yearning for is how will you get us to a better place? How will we ever forget the past four years? Because I don't want to go back to 2012. I don't yeah. want to go back to 2000, like those 2012 to 2016. Obama, you know, shout outs to Michelle and Barack, but. During the Obama administration, those eight years were the that were the years with the highest deportations of undocumented immigrants in the United States history, even more than these past four years. So one thing, let me let's yeah. kind of freeze frame right yeah. there real quick, because one thing that a lot of people like to say is he put more kids in cages. But that's not really correct, right? Even though he deport deported more, his administration deported more people, didn't he keep the family like from what i understand and again correct me if i'm wrong that's why i asked yeah. that's why we ask these questions right yeah. to get clarification yeah. and to make sure that we're we're getting real information not just fake information that people yeah. make up online yeah. that facebook doesn't want to take down <laughs> shout outs to twitter for making sure that all the time the all the information they have in there is consistent and true. i'm seeing that on instagram now too yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, anyway, which is funny because they're owned by Facebook, but yet Instagram's doing it. So anyways, from what I understand, like, but he, he, the intention was really to keep families together, not really to separate families. So as people were being deported, they were being deported as families, not as, is this correct? So unless they came here by themselves. Unless they came, but this is the thing. I don't see that as a plus. You're still not. You're still deporting. You're still putting people in cages in inhumane ways. So, so was it still the same way, like how, as it is now? Not the same. I wouldn't say the same way because ICE has changed in just the past two weeks. Uh, but what I will say is, it doesn't matter 
if families were kept together or not. Mm -hmm. It is the fact of the inhumane treatment yeah. of those human beings in a type of concentration camp. That's what matters. They got deported as a family back to a famine or in a corrupt strict. I mean, we're corrupt here too, but you know what I mean? They mm -hmm. escaped. If you're willing to put your child through an ocean and a desert with no food to get to another country, mm -hmm. then that means that the place you were previously in is not safe for them. Well, but yeah, right? because parents don't want to put their kids through that. Yes. Parents don't want, like, you don't want to put your kid through it's all of this all of these things. I just wanted clarification because yeah, I, I don't think it's any better. I honestly, I, I saw like a lot of different things yeah. when I was trying to research it. So I really wasn't sure. Like yeah. I wasn't sure what I was reading or what I was looking at. So that's why I asked because I think it's so important that we do ask these questions because just because you vote for somebody doesn't mean like, I feel like we're at this point where we feel like, If they don't agree 100 with what we agree with, then we're not going to vote, right? Mm -hmm. That's, that's and that's never happen but that's that. not even that's not even how a regular friendship works. Your exactly. regular friend is not going to agree 100 yeah. with what you do. You're going to have disagreements. You're not always going to agree on stuff. Mm -hmm. But really, who's you know who is better for what you envision this country as being? Yeah, that's really what it's about. Because no, you'll never ever agree 100 with. Any and you shouldn't anybody running for office. You shouldn't because not everybody thinks different. Not everybody thinks similarly. Not everybody has the same agenda priorities as you do. However, the the fault here, and I'm not shaming anybody, but it really befalls on the voters. Yes, electoral democracy and the electoral process was built upon racist structures, classist structures. I mean, women. African-Americans, Native Americans don't even have the right to vote at a point. But so many communities were disenfranchised with literacy tests, with paying to get an opportunity to vote counted as three-fifths a person, right? And just about two weeks ago, we celebrated the 100th anniversary of women's, some women's right to vote. So what I'm going at here is this befalls on us, the voters, those who are paying attention to ensure that we are moving our country forward, to ensure that we are being represented the way that we deserve to be represented. But I don't want anybody to feel like, oh, you're shaming me. So if I don't vote, like I'm a bad person. No, but when the only thing you got to do is vote, if that is the lowest requirement in this moment mm -hmm. until we can figure out a new person who is listening to this and feels like, the voting system I'm not agreeing with, then let's change it. Nothing is really stopping us from changing it other than the fact that we think that the institution is larger than us. But we come in numbers, and if we vote people out, if we demand change and people listen, this is the first thing. That's why local politics are so important. Vote out the people that aren't listening to you. Vote the person that says that they will. Vote the person that has shown that they will. And then move them up. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's like... So many of us spend so many hours watching TV on sports, donating to like stores and betting on teams. You people, pay, yeah. people pay more attention and research more on a fantasy football team mm -hmm. 
than they do for people who actually make an effect on their lives. When Jesus, voting. let's do a fantasy team of your elected officials. Put your money where you want it to go. Honestly, $5 for a campaign goes so far. Mm-hmm. And put that same... Yeah, politics isn't sexy. Politics doesn't have a cool ad. Politics doesn't make it sound like a freaking Doritos five-minute ad. Like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> it's not that. But you know what it is? It is ensuring that you have access to education, healthcare, And if you're able to move the people forward that are actually walking the walk, mm-hmm. like walk the talk, talk the walk, what are we doing? Why are we not doing that? So yeah. I am a firm believer of voting. I'm a firm believer of ensuring that we all have a chance to cast that ballot. But the shit is not going to change if you don't do it. Yeah. That's just the truth. Obviously, with this whole, I mean, girl, you know, we we always can go on forever. So after we're done here, I'm sure we're going to continue to talk. (laughs) But what do you think? Because obviously we know that voting by mail is under attack. Yes. But the USPS, man. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. I was about to say, now we know, like, the the postmaster general is somebody who pay, basically paid right he's a yes. tr- contributor yes he's top and, contributor and that's how he got the job he never worked in the post office he mm-hmm. knows nothing about it he's like like nothing. literally nothing of nothing right mm-hmm. and we see all these things that are happening just so happens to be happening right before mm-hmm. the election and as the president is talking about you know, mail-in fraud and stuff. I mean, he paid $30 million into a right into a GOP campaign. Like, a postmaster general it needs to be biased, but unbiased. Right? They, the the mail isn't political. It's like masks. People are like, oh my god, masks are political. If I wear no, it is fucking like, you save my life or not. I literally, we literally had a very close family friend pass away from COVID. If all I have to do, even if I won't ever get it, if all I have to do is wear a piece of cloth in top- to make sure you don't get it, what's the? I'm okay with that. Like yes. I've seen so many people go after the governor and go after this and that, and I just. But I, you know what? It's so okay. So this is what I've noticed more than anything. It's been men. It's been <laughs> like the men that I know more yeah. than anybody. Yeah. The men that I know and men of color mm-hmm. that I know, they have been the ones who have been most like, why am I wearing a mask? Why am I now? Not, I'm just not, saying, we're not saying all men, not saying all men and not all men of yeah. color. I'm just saying the guy, the people in that I know yeah. that have been the most aggressive ones against this. Mm-hmm. I need to remind men that if this is your first time feeling disenfranchised, welcome to the fucking club, right? Like, I can't believe that all it took was putting on a piece of cloth in your mouth for you to get all disgruntled and everything. Um, Yes, and that is completely condescending. And the reason I have that kind of tone is because a lot of the men, and yeah, you're right, a lot of the men that we have seen are making these kind of... My goodness, they're as mad by a piece of cloth than in times of so of civil unrest. But what I'm trying to say here is, 
it is unfortunate because now we recognize the people have been privileged. The people that have usually been able to skate by without a scratch are now getting caught, are mm-hmm. now having to follow the same rules as everybody else, and they don't like it. Let me tell you. So yeah. let me give you an example. Mm-hmm. So one of my cousins mm-hmm. was raised very, very privileged. Okay. Um, and she's been dating a guy. She's she's beautiful. She's, you know, yes, she's Latina. She's beautiful. Yeah, she's got big chichis. She had them before, and then she went and got a boob job. So now they're bigger. I don't know why she got them bigger, right? They like come in the room five minutes before she does. <laughs> but with that, you know, she is used to a certain expectation of life. And after she got divorced and everything, um, she's very used to getting a lot of attention and very used to this. Now she's. 10 years older than me and I'm about to be 43. So she's about to be 53. So that's only going to last for so much longer. And she is still very beautiful and very lively and everything. Right. However, her current significant, her current boo. Yeah. Her current boo son called her a (laughs) wetback. And she went to social media and was like very vocal about it and everything. And the first thing I thought is now you're understanding what so many people get every single day. Mm. You were up in arms in that by that one comment, by that one person. Right. But think of the people that are born here, mm. that work hard, that are citizens of here, or maybe not, like, what maybe not, matter. that doesn't matter, that just are here. Mm-hmm. That you can't, you can't look at somebody and say, oh, they're a citizen or they're not. You have no idea. Mm-hmm. But they get called these names. Mm-hmm. Every day, and right. you're up in arms, but she's still a Trump supporter. She's still a Trump supporter because she heard life. Uh, le- and I'm gonna be 100% real because I'm not using her name or anything, mm-hmm. and she's not like she listens to this. <laughs> her life has revolved around white people, yes, and it revolves around rich white people, yeah. And if she didn't hang around them, if she hung around people like that weren't like that. Maybe her, maybe her, she would be the same. Maybe she wouldn't. I don't know. But just the fact that I was talking to another cousin, I was saying, you know, she thinks like she receives some sort of power by being around that. Mm -hmm. And that's why she doesn't want it to change because her life is a white privileged life. And until they catch you. Yeah. Yes. Until they catch you and they say, but actually we just let you in here because we felt sorry for you. And that's something that so many, or we thought you were like us. I mean, honestly, not even the like us. It's, this is why it's so important to read folks like Rosa Luxemburg, Karl Marx. I mean, Angela Davis, when we talk about the identity of the marginalized, the people that are usually left in the sidelines. And some of us find a way to join the, the privileged group. For anybody that's interested in this, pick out The Pedagogy of the Oppressed by Paulo Freire. But what happens when the oppressed becomes the oppressor? What happens when there's a lot of white passing people that we know are not white? And what happens when you jo- they join the privileged group? And the privileged group knows, wait a minute, you may look like us, you may sound like us, but you're not like us. So, you know, you see that in movies, too, when people are like, wait a minute, but I'm one of you. They're like, no, you're never going to be one like us. Mm-hmm. And that's what happened with your cousin. Your cousin decided to surround with herself with people that she thought were better than you all, better than us. 
And she said, well, if I continue to hang around with them, they will instinctively accept me because I'm treating my family the way that you treat us. Yeah. So you will accept me or respect me the way that you respect each other. And they said, no way. No way you're going to do that. And that's the the irony, I guess, if this was a play that this would be an ironic play because you get caught in your own demise. Yeah. Right. And this is something us minorities are us. And I hate that we're called minorities. And when I talk about women and people are like, we're the second sex, we're the second class. We should never aspire to be like men. We should never aspire to be like white people. That is not what our end goal should be. Mm -hmm. Our end goal should be to have equity. Whatever you, what you get, Jessica, as a woman, a black woman, an API woman, an Arab woman, any other woman should be able to receive. And whatever you receive, a man should be able to receive. And whatever a man receives, I should be able to receive. We should have access to things. That's It's not equality, it's equity, mm-hmm. right? And a lot of us who have grown up being marginalized are... We want to be hopeful. I'm not saying it's our fault. I'm just saying we hope yeah. that we can reach that high. But the system isn't made for us. So why why try and keep our community down and each other down when we could be building each other up? Girl, I didn't speak the truth. <laughs> <laughs> so if there is a final thought that you think people like, we're, you know, we're we're going to get at least one more of these in before yeah, the election. But for sure. I mean, we should do like a Twitter live or something. Yeah. Really taking apart the, the election. And I'm, I'm also very, um, I'm totally down to break down electoral politics for anybody that is more interested. I think I'm going to have an episode of that myself in Guerreras. So. And the yes, because you didn't have your podcast the last time we spoke. Yes. So like, girl, plug your podcast. Plug that podcast. (laughs) So Guerreras, which is uh, the Spanish for female warrior, is all about Latinas in the movement trying to find their political voice. A lot of us are engaged. A lot of us are leaders in our community, leaders in our organizations. We probably own a goddamn business. So essentially, you're already politically involved in a way or another. Guerreras is about deconstructing these ideas that may seem impossible for us to understand, but and yet within it, finding our political voice. One of my latest episodes, it's about women, the sexism within academia, especially when it comes to political science. An episode before that was talking about a reproductive justice. Another one before that is the sexualization of Latina women. So it's all about if you're interested in politics, I'm not saying you got to be a politician. I'm not saying you got to be an activist, but you're interested in exploring that identity of yourself. Listen to RS. That's my thing. Yes. Yes. <laughs> All right. Well, one last thing you said, right? Yes. One last thing. What do you think? Like what out of this? Because I know we, we touched yes. on a lot of different things. Yes. And I, like I said, I know we'll do at least one, maybe two. Who knows? <laughs> we'll, we'll, Why not? We'll, we're going to do more. But what do you want people to walk away with to at least marinate on from this from everything that we've discussed. If you are disappointed with the current political structures, if you feel that you're not being represented the way that you deserve to be represented, if you see that there is a cause worth fighting for, vote, become engaged in your community, start something. You are not the only one fighting this system. You are not alone in fighting this system. 
but make sure that if you are willing to change it, that you're willing to do the work. And that starts with registering to vote. It starts with registering your family to vote, your friends. You're not asking them to vote for the same person as you, but everybody deserves to be counted. That's my, that's my mic drop. <laughs> How can people reach you on social? So my handles on Instagram are at Audia underscore BP. Spell Audia for oh, people. Sorry, everybody. I know. I forget. It's like Madonna. I feel everybody should know. Um, so it's <laughs> <laughs> our Beyonce, right? But it's at A-U-R-E-A underscore BP. And my Instagram for my podcast is at G-U-E-R-R-E. R R A S <laughs> underscore P O D. Oh my goodness. Uh, and please do make sure that if this is something that interests you, send me a message. I also do work as a political consultant. So I would be more than happy to share my email and my contact details. If this is something that interested you today. Yes. And she, Aurea is like legit. She's legit, legit. And my political soul sister. So please reach out to her if you have any interest, because, you know, there's more, there are more elections beyond 2020. Yes. But this is, you know, I feel like every four years we say this is such an important, but it is this, this, yeah, this one is like critical. Like we are on life support right now. Our country is on life support and I feel like no matter which way it goes, there is going to be some major shit that happens after Mm -hmm. this election, no matter which way it goes. But let's make sure that we give the Biden-Harris ticket such a huge advantage that they cannot dispute it. Even though if they try, there's just no disputing it. And literally, it's, it's really, it's our country that's, so we're we're already on fire. Right? Oh, yeah. We're no, already we've... on fire, but now it's yeah. the the election is going to really decide if how if we're going to add dynamite to that as well. That's kind of how I feel. Oh, you know, I am already dismembered and need a full organ transplant. It's just ensuring that people are willing to put in the work for. It. Yeah, exactly. It's just recognize that the work doesn't stop in 2020. Yeah. The work needs to continue and if you are tired, fuck, we're tired too. I know and I recognize it, but this is why it's vital for communities to come together and demand this. Yeah. This should not be a fight every year. That No, it shouldn't. Mm-hmm. It should be a smooth process. And if there is a problem, of course, protest, riot, ensure that you're being heard. But we shouldn't be fighting for our livelihood like this. All right, mi gente. Muchísimas gracias. Until next time. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Wine and Cheese May podcast. For more information on Aurea, please see the show notes for links to her podcast and social media accounts. You can check out all things Wine and Cheese May on our website, thewineandcheesemaypodcast.com. There you will find the names of the wines we drink, or the wines I drink rather, by episode, as well as additional information on me, the podcast, and you can even apply to be a guest straight from there. You can also find us on social media. On Instagram, you can find us at The Wine and Chisme. And Facebook and LinkedIn, you can reach us at, at The Wine and Chisme Podcast.
Remember, if you want to hear more Wine and Cheese Smith, please subscribe, rate, and review. Your five-star ratings are all appreciated and positive reviews are appreciated even more. Until next time, mi gente. Saludos.